and welcome to Electronic Ears with me, Fenna. This week, amazingly, is the 250th episode of the show that I've recorded for Can Do FM. And I thought I'd mark it by doing something slightly different, so please do uh, bear with me. Um, I think it's inevitable that the music that one listens to in one's teens will play a disproportionately large part in the kind of gallery of one one's musical loves. But I also <laughs> genuinely believe that there was something special about pop music between 1977 and 1983. I mean, punk had come with its kind of tsunami of energy and blown away all the kind of stagnancy that was in the charts in the mid-70s. I mean, just watch Top of the Pops 2 for 1976 and you'll see what I mean. But that burst of energy burned out really quickly. What was left in its place was a hugely rich and diversified landscape of popular music. And I don't think there was anything like it before then. And I don't think there's been anything like it quite since. And for me, one of the most significant characteristics of that period was the prominence of the bass player. And I don't know if that's because of you know, all these musicians who grew up with the Beatles and therefore with Paul McCartney. He was a groundbreaking bass player uh, anyway, but certainly within pop music. But I'm certainly tempted to think that that must have been a factor. And whatever the reason, there were loads of amazing bassists during that six-year period. And although this evening I'll feature on those that played in the field of music that I loved, obviously electronic music. But, you know, there were loads of others as well, people like uh, Bruce Foxham from The Jam or, yeah, of course, Mark King from Level 42. So all of the, almost all of the songs I'm going to play are from this six-year window. And I'm going to start the show with one that wasn't actually... It's by New Order, whose bassist, Peter Hook, made a massive contribution to the sound of Joy Division and New Order. And the track I'm going to play is one of the last ones on which I think his bass really shone. And he said at the time it was getting harder and harder for him to get his bass onto their records. So this from 1987 is True Faith.
True Faith by New Order featuring Peter Hook on the bass guitar. Now, I think probably the most underrated bass player from the period I'm talking about was Duran Duran's John Taylor. I think everyone just saw him as a kind of pretty boy having this vacant glam lifestyle and didn't really take him seriously as a musician. And yet he really is one of the most accomplished players from that time. And his autobiography is a great read. I highly recommend it. Yet in that, he manages to gloss over how he went from picking up the bass guitar to becoming such a stunning player. And, you know, he cites his influences like Sheik's Bernard Edwards, for example. But I think it's one thing to admire someone's playing and quite another to become a fantastic player yourself. So just listen to his playing on this track. This is the title track from Duran Duran's second album, Rio.
That is just incredible. Duran Duran and Rio with John Taylor on bass guitar. And next up is probably my favourite single by the band Japan. This is a band that, in the short space of like four years, went from these disposable glam rocker wannabes to creating this incredible, innovative and startlingly beautiful electronic music, and not least on their final album, Tin Drum, which is just extraordinary. Uh, and on every one of their albums, Mick Khan's bass playing just gets better and better, becomes more and more extraordinary. And in the end, you just can't even see how he'd have approached writing these bass lines that are so just such odd, awkward shapes and yet fit perfectly well in with the songs and, and in, a, in a pop context. The, the track I'm going to play you now is one of the singles from Tin Drum. This is Cantonese Boy. You now can 
amazing Mick Khan and Cantonese boy for Japan. And what I love is that just towards the end, having played this incredibly kind of convoluted part, he suddenly just drops down to playing the root note and these very simple beats. Just so, so tasteful. Um, right, let's move on to Gary Newman, one of my great and earliest musical loves. And right from the start of, my, of enjoying his music, I noticed these fantastic bass lines, complete with these lovely little melodic fills and details, all played by his bassist, Paul Gardner. And even on something as electronic and as down in the park, you can still hear the importance of the bass in the song, just unobtrusive, but perfect. And there are so many examples of this in Paul Gardner's playing for Gary Newman that I didn't know where to start when selecting a track. So I'd like to thank my good friend Ashley Jones for just suggesting I play this track, which is taken from Newman's album Telecom, which is just a great example of what Paul Gardner did. This is the Air Crash Bureau.
Paul Gardner playing bass for Gary Newman. That track was the Air Crash Bureau taken from Telecom. So when Barry Andrews was putting together Shriekback, he started it with Dave Allen, who had just left playing bass for Gang of Four. And Dave Allen's bass playing really dominates the first Shriekback recordings. And it's only really kind of on the, was it the fourth album, uh, Oil and Gold, where it drops back into somewhere even resembling a more conventional place in the album. And even then, he's still a distinctive part of the mix. The track I'm going to play you now is from their is their third single, and I think maybe my favourite Streetback tune, uh, just because I've loved it for so very long. Uh, it's also notable, if you listen out, uh, towards the end of having two bass tracks. This is called Lined Up.
Krieg back with Dave Allen on bass, and that was Lined Up, taken from their album Care. So as a young man, I was something of a purist. I have to say, I, at first, I really only liked bands that used synthesizers and drum machines. And that couldn't last, of course, not least because I was a Gary Newman fan who used guitars and bass. But I was still disappointed when Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh left the Human League to form Heaven 17 and allowed guitars and bass into the studio for that project. But on that first album, they used a young guy, I think he was like 17 or something, called John Wilson, who played both guitar and bass. And even at the time, I had to admit, he was absolutely amazing. Uh, Just listen to him playing bass on this. This is We Don't Need This Fascist Groove Thing. Sisters, we don't need a 
John Wilson playing bass for Heaven 17 on We Don't Need This Fascist Groove Thing, which came from their debut album, Penthouse and Pavement. But let's return now to Gary Newman. Uh, when he came to record his album, Dance, he did a couple of tracks with Paul Gardner, the original bassist, but he also featured Mick Kahn from Japan. And then after Gardner's untimely death, and perhaps because he still wanted a dominant bass sound a bit like Mick Kahn's, Newman re- recruited a guy called Pino Palladino, who's probably best known for his work with Paul Young on tracks like Wherever I Lay My Hat, that kind of thing. Uh, Pino Palladino only played on this one Newman album, but he is all over it. It's absolutely fantastic. The album is I Assassin, and this track is called This Is My House. <laughs>
Pino Palladino playing bass for Gary Newman. The track was This Is My House from Newman's album, I Assassin. So for the second track that falls outside of my 1977 to 1983 window, and it's a song by Kate Bush, and for the most part of her recording career, right up until the late 90s, uh, Bush's bass player was Del Palmer. But she also featured Youth from Killing Joke he played on The Hounds of Love, as of course did Eberhard Weber. But on her album The Sensual World, which was very late 80s, I think, while Palmer played on three tracks, the session player, John Giblin, played on another three. And I have to say, I really wanted to play Rocket's Tale, which I adore. It's my favourite track on the album. It's just awesome. But I think this is a better showcase of Giblin's bass playing talents. This is called Love and Anger.
John Giblin playing bass for Kate Bush on the album The Sensual World, and that was Love and Anger. So, penultimately, we come to the man who is probably my favourite bass player of all time, and that is Derek Forbes from Simple Minds. I mean, along with Kraftwerk, Simple Minds are up there in the top two bands that I've ever loved. I remember reading an interview with Simple Minds frontman Jim Kerr, and he said that if ever they were in the studio in a rehearsal room and stuck when they were songwriting, they'd just say, give us a bass line, Derek. And you can hear that aspect of his contribution to the band most clearly, I think, on Empires and Dance, which is clearly bass-led. But it's the quality of his bass playing, the melodies, the dynamics and the drive that are there in pretty much everything they recorded up until he left. And after a bit of chin-stroking and head-scratching, the song I'm going to play is taken from Simple Minds album, New Gold Dream, and the bass playing on this is just perfect. This is Someone, Somewhere in Summertime.
my bass playing hero, the wonderful Derek Forbes playing Someone Somewhere in Summertime from Simple Minds' new Gold Dream album. And there was something sad that came out of the preparation that I did for this week's show. And that is that I learned that last year, Matthew Seligman passed away after contracting COVID-19. He was a bandmate of Thomas Dolby's right from their both first playing music. And he then went on to play with the Thompson Twins for a while before they slimmed down to a three-piece. And then he went back and played on Dolby's solo albums. And you might have seen him, actually. Uh, when David Bowie, pl- uh, yeah, David Bowie played Live Aid, he asked Thomas Dolby to put a band together for him. And that was Matthew Seligman playing bass on stage with David Bowie. Uh, so I'm going to close this week's show, this week's unusual show, with a track from Dolby's album, Aliens Ate My Buick. Um, It's a beautiful piece and my favourite track on the album. And of course, it's Matthew Seligman playing bass. The track is called Budapest by Blimp. But before I play that, I'll just say thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be back next week. And until then, cheers. Bye.
Frozen in time 